We're tired from parenting, not of parenting. Keep showing up. Welcome to the Tired Dad Podcast. Are you a dad? I'm a dad. I'm a tired dad. I'm a tired dad. Your hosts, two tired dads. We did it. It's We're like an hour behind, but we're here. A little moment this morning. My son was not feeling well, but do you want to do a cold plunge after this? Yeah, we should. I haven't have done it. it. I have it set to like 45 right now. Sweet. I would have done it before this if I could, but we're in a time get crunch. To it. <laughs> time crunch. How long have we been doing cold plunges together? About a year now, I believe. Yep. Last, then- last December, went out to the tractor supply store and got a cow trough, like a 100-gallon cow trough, put it outside. Let the cold weather here in Tennessee do its thing. What's the coldest you did? Probably 33, 32. And that was brutal. I remember that night. I remember you were gone and I was like, hey, bro, I was house watching. Yeah, my animals. Yeah, your animals in the house. Make sure everything didn't burn down. And then I called you and I was like, dude, it's freezing cold. It's like negative 20 here. Um, I'm going to go downstairs and check out the, the cold plunge. And yeah, it was at 32 degrees. And you weren't going to do it. I wasn't. But since you talked me into it, you're like, you should just do it. And I was like, sure, I have nothing else to do right now. So let's just jump in and do it. And yeah, it was brutal, but it was good. I felt so good right after that. Dang, that is, that is cold. And then, yes, I was in the mountains uh, for the weekend with my family and it was snowing. It snowed that weekend. I was taking a cold shower because that... I believe was January, and I did a cold plunge every single day in January because I didn't want to drink anymore. And I did, but I didn't have the cold plunge on vacation, so I did a cold shower, and it was it was a cold shower. Now it's like the showers are like 70 degrees around here. It's not cold enough. Yeah, it's nice and warm. <laughs> yeah. but So you did it, and then I came home, and it was frozen solid. She oh, yeah. probably an inch of ice on top and yeah it was when it's that cold and there's ice in it the worst part is when you get out the ice like rubs against your skin and you know how your skin feels after a cold plunge it's like it's weird like a burning sensation so that was weird so i definitely suggest taking the ice out before you get in (laughs) yeah because then you like also break the ice and then some of the ice is sitting at the bottom so you're sitting on ice i was sitting on a like a ice like a huge piece of ice yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was crazy so So, yeah last year december i wanted to kind of stop drinking and i was reading well i knew about cold plunging for a while for like maybe three years wim hof crazy guy from norway i think yeah I was looking into that and he was, he did it because his wife suffered from mental illness and uh, committed suicide. And dealing with that, it was really hard. They had, I believe, four kids, three or four kids at the time. So he went into a really bad depression and he just started to jump in the freezing water. And And he said it, you know, helped his depression and helped his mental health so now there's 
I think a lot more science on it. And as we know, just how we've changed our life in the past seven, eight months from doing it, we know it's not just a placebo effect because that doesn't really work on me. Like if I don't feel something, um, it, I'm not going to keep doing it, you know. I started researching and a lot of people that got sober were doing cold plunging. I got the tub and started doing it. And it was a it was a good way to get my mind off of drinking at night. Instead, at 5 p.m., I would go into the cold plunge instead of drinking. And it helped a lot. What did you see by doing it? Because you, you were doing it pretty much right along with me. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first thing that I noticed all how much better I felt coming out of that and, like, the amount of energy that I got from doing that was amazing. I was like, this is like kind of addicting. And then I got to a point like, hey, John, can I do it twice a day? Hey, John, can I do it three times a day? I just like to push myself and see how much I can do it. And then I get to a point like, okay, I can enjoy this. Um, I felt more focused. Definitely after that, getting a cold plunge and then going straight to work, I felt more focused. Also, the other thing that I've noticed that changed that I was I was sleeping so much better. So much better. Also, I noticed that you also get crazy dreams after that. So stuff that I remember, I'm like, dude, I call you like, dude, did you have weird dreams last night? And you're like, yeah, dude. (laughs) Yeah, I thought a lot of those dreams were because I stopped drinking too. Because I know you can have crazy dreams. But till this day, sometimes I get crazy dreams after like a really cold plunge. I remember... When I was doing it every night, it would get really cold at night. And I told you, I'd send you like a bat call, <laughs> like nothing else, but just this yeah. bat call. And I would text you the little gif of the Batman logo, the Batman logo. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like, dang, that would suck because literally I would already be in bed under my sheets, nice and warm. And then you send it to me and I'm like, OK, let's just do it. And I got a little rubber ducky that told you the temp and yeah. I would be like it's 42 degrees right now and you'd be like, man but we did it what what are the the things that you've seen progress or gotten better because you started doing cold plunges well anytime that I have a moment or I start to feel a little down or anxiety I can go into a cold plunge and quiet my mind for those three minutes three four minutes sometimes is the quietest my mind has ever been and it is the only thing that does that for me so being sober I used to go to drinking to quiet my mind because alcohol is a terrible drug and it's all the repercussions, but it's a great drug for curing anxiety, Mm -hmm. like right away. And I've used it my whole life. So anytime there was any moment of stress, anxiety, depression, drink, it would go away. So that is the biggest benefit of the cold plunging for me, that I can just quiet my mind and get my mind off of something. Plus, the adrenaline, the dopamine that you get after from doing something so difficult that you really don't want to do, 
gives me that kind of good serotonin, that dopamine, which I need at that moment. I also noticed we now try to do cold plunge and then work out and let our bodies naturally warm up after that. And that helps a lot as well. The strength and endurance that you get after a cold plunge. And I don't know if it's, I know they've done studies. I don't know science-wise what causes this. But I would assume it has a lot to do with the adrenaline. And the your adrenaline's up and your dopamine's up and you feel good. So you feel better. And working out does the same thing. So you're kind of getting both of those at the same time. And I've noticed definitely endurance and strength even if I'm not working out consistently, but if I'm doing cold plunging consistently, my strength stays up and my endurance stays up. Mm. And another thing with that goes kind of hand in hand with cold plunging is the breath work. Oh, yeah, and that's, that, that's fine. That, that Wim Hof breath work. Also, I've been looking into some other breath work that helps you sleep. I think it's the four, seven, eight. Mm. So you inhale for four seconds. You hold for seven seconds and then you exhale for eight yeah it's a four seven eight and you do that for like five minutes before you go to sleep the Wim Hof just the 30 deep breaths and then hold for minute to two minutes Mm -hmm. and then inhale for 15 seconds and you do like three to five rounds of that that's what you do right yeah yeah and it helps me sleep so much better too just relaxes your whole body and if you have people who want to do this and want to start off, like, what are your, your suggestions to how to, like, start? Cold showers. Like cold showers, yeah. Definitely. You don't want to start too cold because you won't last. Right. And it's too shocking for the body. They say anything under 60 degrees, you get a benefit of the cold. And anything up to 30 seconds, you get a benefit from the cold. So the benefits that we're talking about, which is sleep the dopamine, just 30 seconds of cold exposure. But the breath work goes hand in hand because you have to breathe through the cold. Right. That's so, how you warm yourself up. That's right. Because you have to take really deep, deep breaths. And that's the thing that I've noticed when people do it. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to jump in and try it. And I'm like, you need to remember to breathe because people just get in there and just in shock. And they're just like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm like, you got to stop and breathe. And Take those deep breaths and slow your body down. And your body adapts really, really fast. It's crazy how your body can do that. It is crazy. But I never want to get in. Like I do because I know the benefits, Uh but I never want to get in. I'm never super happy about going into (laughs) freezing cold water. Yeah. But I know what's on the other side. It's kind of like a really hard workout, Mm. you know, you kind of know what's on that other side. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to fight through the pain because I know I'm going to see results afterwards. Yeah. So it's been a game changer for me trying to better my health, trying to better my mental state. I was in a really low mental state for the last year, two years. Everything kind of just caught up to me. I realized that I used substances so much since I was 13 years old. I never found out who I actually was because when I was growing up, I would always just use substances to be social. 
to talk to girls, to make friends, to deal with life, to deal with my family. That's a long time Yeah, to be suppressing everything. And I'm almost 38 now. There was never more than a month, two months since I was really 15 years old that I wasn't not sober, Mm. you know, Yeah. or sober. It wasn't more than two months since I was 15 years old that I didn't use something. And I got into some really bad stuff when I was 18, 19, 20, and on. Yeah. I feel like boys, as boys, you just have to get in trouble and kind of figure it out on on your own. I got into a lot of trouble, too, and I was like... I'm so thankful my mom was so patient. <laughs> did you ever do drugs? I did. And I was like selling it at one point and getting in trouble. And like I had a group of friends that we were all selling it and making a profit because our friend's dad had medicinal weed, like as a medication weed. So we would take it from him and take it to school and then sell it. We were the only ones doing it. So we were like, sweet. I tried to sell once. <laughs> it lasted about a week because I did it all. <laughs> I, I got high on my own supply. <laughs> supply. No, um, I lost a friend when I was about 21 that I grew up with. I met him when I was 18. I worked at a pizza shop with him, and he became like one of my best friends. But we got into the wrong stuff. And we both had extremely bad addictive personalities. That mixed with you don't care Mm -hmm. is a very dangerous situation. So we got into some bad drugs, hardcore drugs. Long story short, he got into some worse stuff and ended up taking his life um, when I was about 23 Mm. or so. Speaking of that, We tried to sell drugs, hardcore drugs, to support our habit. Mm -hmm. And we did it all in the first week. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And we're like, I guess we're out of money now. Uh Uh-huh. So I've always been like that. Mm -hmm. And you've known me for about three years now. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you can kind of tell my personality that I'm a little bit extreme. Oh, yeah. It's either all or nothing all the time. <laughs> I know that because the way you used to pour me drinks, it was all or nothing. And I'm like, bro, just give me a little bit. And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you just kept drinking. And I was like, now I'm going to have a hard time walking home. <laughs> and it's because I did not want to be the drunkest person <laughs> at my daughter's birthday or Halloween. Three years ago, the first time we hung out was Halloween yeah. in our neighborhood. You know. A fun night for the kids, right? Well, also a fun night to drink a lot of tequila. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love our neighborhood, though, because they go all out here. It's great. And if you don't have a drinking problem, Halloween and a few cocktails as a parent, you know, the kids are eating a bunch of candy. They're crazy. Mm -hmm. You might need a few drinks. Unfortunately for me, I have a half a bottle of tequila, (laughs) and I wake up, like, feeling awful the next day. But I remember that night, I brought you, I'm like, hey, hey, come here. And I brought you into my room where I had, like, my stash. Yeah. Remember, like, I used to collect tequila Uh and whiskey. Used to have my little stash. Yeah. It was like pre-gaming. Uh-huh. 
And I brought you in. I was like, here, here. And the shot. I mean, it was not a shot. It <laughs> no, was a, it was. It was a drink. Yeah. It was a whole cup. And I made you take it. And that was the start of every kind of time we would hang out or there'd be some sort of get together. I'd yeah. get you pretty drunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, dude, we can't be doing this all the time. <laughs> the <laughs> worst is just like waking up the next day and feeling like crap and losing my whole day. And that I don't miss whatsoever. Yeah, and that makes me remember something that I don't think I've ever brought up to you that I actually feel bad about. And I don't know, when you become sober, you get these, like, floods of memories. Like, I have memories that are coming up from a long time ago, but I also remember a bunch of times when either I was a stupid drunk or treat, mistreated people, or whatever. And I know what you're going to say. You're going to be like, well, I'm an adult. That wasn't your fault. But I, I harbor it for some reason um, because I, I felt bad, and it was Christmas Eve. You know what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah, yeah. And I think we were having a few cocktails, and yeah. then you came over to help me because that's what you do all the time is help <laughs> me out because you're such a nice person and a good friend. You came over to help me with... I don't know, the gifts for my kids. I think we were putting together something. Yes, you were helping me put together something, and I just made you a stiffy. Oh, yeah, it was a brutal. big, like, whiskey drink. Yeah. I, f- I feel guilty because I was that friend, mm. like, to you. And you're such a good friend to me. You're, like, super selfless. I know that's how you are with everybody. It's just who you are. The fact that that's the friend that I was to you makes me feel really guilty like looking back on it Mm -hmm. and those are little like motivating factors obviously the big motivating factor for me to stop drinking was my my family my children my wife but those friendships like dude you're a good friend Mm -hmm. like you are a special friend like if everyone could have just one friend like you the world would be a better place like Mm. I feel like that's just where my addiction and alcohol kind of took over is I didn't appreciate those things. Like Mm -hmm. I had to involve alcohol with everything, you know, I couldn't just like hang out with you and chill. And like, we have great conversations. Like we're good. Yeah. I had to get you super hammered because I wanted to get super hammered and God forbid if I'm the most hammered because then I'm like a weirdo. You know, I don't know how you feel about that, but like guilty that that's who I was and that, you know, you, I know you woke up on Christmas day, like really hung over and I'm like, ah, you know, I feel like it's partly because of the friend I am to you or was to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally understand. But also like I had a party a couple hours before I came to your house. I already had it two or three drinks and then Mm -hmm. I came to your house and I think that tipped me over. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was the same way. I mean, I just want to have fun and and enjoy and I would always just kind of drink. But yeah, that that day was just kind of like I overdid it. And I probably also because I worked all day and I didn't eat anything. So just all I had was just alcohol in my system. Um, (laughs) That didn't help. And then because I haven't drank at all this year, I'm looking around at you 
and some of our other friends that we hang around with, and I'm, why is no one drinking as much before? Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking, well, because I'm not drinking. Right. I'm not feeding everybody booze every time they come over. <laughs> you were the supplier. Yeah, I was the supplier. So I feel like you've drank way less this year than the previous years that I've known you. Yeah. Is oh, that yeah. a conscious choice or? I think you know how you end up becoming with the people you hang out with. Yes. So I feel like because we, you always wanted to drink, I'm always, I'm always like, sure, I would love to drink. Um and then you slowly started drinking, and I slowly started cutting that off. I also just didn't like feeling like crap every morning um, and being, like, goggy, like cloggy and not remembering what I'm supposed to be doing. But I think that helped, too. But, like, the way you, f- you feel like you were, you also motivated me to, you know, to, to be a better dad and to work out and do other things, you know. Um, so it was great. Now that I'm not drinking as often, I'll drink like socialize, but I like before I was drinking like every day for sure. Yeah, I don't feel like you have what I have, like that <laughs> extreme, extreme, no, I mean, personality. Yeah, because even when I was like, there were some times where you're like, no, I'm good. Yeah, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's Thursday, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday. What do you, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah, you know, I can't, I hate it, dude. I hate the way I am sometimes. I am so wired. I wish it was a discipline thing because that would be easy. Mm-hmm. I have discipline. I have great discipline. If you tell me to not do something or to start eating better, but when it came to drugs and alcohol, it was more than just discipline. Because mm. I could go without a drink for a month, but then I had to make up for that lost time. It, it got to a point, probably really started about four or five years ago where I literally could not have just one drink. If mm-hmm. I was making, I would either drink and get buzzed or drunk mm-hmm. or not drink. Mm. And there was no, there's no in, in between. between. There was no on date nights, me and my wife would go out and we would have like split a bottle of wine. And then I would start thinking, I can't wait to get home and have more. Mm. And it became like an obsession in my brain. And that's, how it is with everything with me, mm-hmm. with everything. Which is not a bad thing. It's just like learning how to work with flaws, I guess you would say. Yeah. Or your your stubbornness. Like my daughter is really stubborn. And I'm like, that's not a bad thing. She can apply that to other things in her life where she can be firm and say, no, I don't need to be drinking. No, I don't need to be doing that to her friends. So I'm like, I also don't want her to lose that. So I think that the personality trait is actually a good trait it's a blessing yeah because i think every super successful person every person that accomplishes a lot and becomes great people if they use it in the right way it's almost a superpower but it's very easy to use it in the wrong way it's very easy to become a drug addict it's very easy to become an alcoholic and everything that comes with that is not good right so I've always said, or I, I recently said, I need to be addicted or obsessed with something that's either good for me or bad for me. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. So it's either I'm going to be obsessed with bad things or good things. Well, if you're obsessed with the good things, 
like being a great father, bettering yourself, working really hard, accomplishing stuff, sky's the limit. You're going to do it because you're obsessed with it. But if you fall into that hole, it's over, you know? And it sucks to be that way sometimes because I do want to just be that social drinker. I do just want to be normal. Hmm. But it, it like overtakes my brain. Mm-hmm. So if we were sitting here having a drink, I would start to lose interest in this conversation mm-hmm. and be thinking about until 10 p.m. how I'm going to drink mm. and somehow manage my day until 10 p.m. Yeah. Till I go to bed. Yeah. If we started drinking right now, I'd be planning out in my mind how to keep this party going. Mm-hmm. And it's great. It would be great for the first couple hours. Yeah. And then you see me at 8 o'clock. And <laughs> do you remember how I used to get? I'd just shut off, right? Oh, yeah. I know you and my wife used to talk about it. <laughs> How, oh, there goes John. He's off. He's off. He's man. off. He's on La La Land now. Yeah, it was because I was freaking, <laughs> I was gone, you know. And when I woke up the next day and didn't really remember things and probably said off the wall things that I didn't mean. Yeah. It just, it was exhausting. But at the same time, being seven months no drinking or anything, that's also exhausting. Because it's hard work. Oh, yeah. And I have to think about it so much. I hate thinking about not drinking so much. Hmm. I hate having to, oh, shoot, my mood's getting lower. I want to drink. Okay, how am I going to combat this? Cold plunging, breath work. But then also, I have to be a father, Mm-hmm. So you add kids into that and there's the overstimulation of that adding to everything and you just got to power through and it just gets exhausting and it makes me mad that I am this way. Yeah, I can see how that could be a struggle trying to manage that because you're like, I don't want to do this. I, I want to be a better person, but you have a hard time just saying, oh yeah, I'll have a drink. And you can't just have a drink and be okay with it. So that's that's really hard. I can totally see that. And that's why I'm like, dude, I'm amazed at how far you've gone and not drank uh, an ounce of alcohol. I'm like, dude, that's impressive that you can do that for that long. But it's like how you, you are. It's, it's your personality. Either you're in or you're out. That's what I have to do is be obsessed with something that's good for me, which is being sober. And sometimes it's a battle. Sometimes it's minute by minute and then sometimes I can go a week and not really think about it it just sucks sometimes that I'm wired this way and it has to take so much effort but I feel like in life to better yourself to truly be the best dad it's hard work and that's part of being a tired dad right yeah I'm tired of being sober but I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep showing up. If you think about it, like all these great things are created under pressure. If you think about how a diamond is created, it's built in because of all the pressure. And I feel like that's how we are getting built to be a better person through the pressures that we go through to in our daily lives. 
And I don't take that for granted. I mean, me growing up poor, all that pressure has made me a better business person. And I've learned so much because of it. And I've grown so much because of all the pressure that I've been through. So I don't think it's a bad thing that you're going under all this pressure. I feel like just, you know, you're going to look back a couple of years and be like, man, I, I did all of that. And I am who I am now because of all that pressure that I went through. For sure. I like that analogy. And when you're in the thick of it, when you were growing up, it sucked at moments mm -hmm. and you couldn't see that light. You couldn't see the man you're, you are today right. and the great person you are today. Some days I can't see any benefit to being sober. Mm -hmm. Is this really a benefit to my life or can I control it? Right. You try to convince yourself, but in two, three years from now, I could start to see that. And that's when people need to realize to stick with it because it, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Being wired the way I am is a genetic thing. My grandpa died of alcoholism. Mm. I think he made it to about 63. I never met him. But he drank about a fifth of vodka, sometimes a handle of vodka per day. Now, I didn't know my grandpa, so I don't know what he was going through. But I know it wasn't good. How about your family? Do you have any addiction? Yeah, I know my grandfather. I mean, I'm, I'm Hispanic. So like our culture is always like, let's drink all the time and party. And I would see that. I'm like, this does not look good. <laughs> so I know I probably got it from that too. But it was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be drinking all the time. And seeing my grandpa get sick from it. And then he like towards his end of his life, he started changing his diet and seeing like he lost a lot of weight and he got better. It's a common trait for a lot of people that they struggle with. And my dad had a really addiction problem, even though I never met him. But my mom would tell him, hey, your, your dad and I split. He had trouble with like drinking all the time and, and drug abuse for many years. I never met him. The only time I've heard of him because my mom would have somewhat of a contact with him very little and the last time i heard of him that he passed away uh it's literally on my birthday she called me and said hey your dad passed away wow and i was like okay i don't know what to do and she's like do you want to go and see him and i kind of don't because he wasn't part of my life even though he was my dad and i don't know if it was just selfish of me but i was like if he didn't put the time to to want to reach out and get to know me. I'm sorry, but I don't want to. And that's when I was like, I want to be involved with my kids. Even if I had kids, like I could not imagine leaving my kids a year without seeing them and not wanting to see them. Like I go away for like a week or two and I'm like going crazy, you know, and someone for me, like to not have that connection and him not wanting to reach out. I don't know, like, how can you do that? Like, how can you do that to your, like, one of your sons? And that was hard. That is crazy and so hard for you to wrap your mind around. I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of, like, in shock. If I do show up, like, I don't even know this guy. I don't know this person. Did you ever think, how am I, re how is this my dad? How am I related to him? Because I don't relate to anything he's doing. If my wife took my daughters, I would find them. Oh, you yeah. would search high and low. Yeah. Forever until you found them. Right. 
to think, why didn't my dad want to come find me? Mm-hmm. It's hard. Something that I will never forget. My dad passed away on my birthday. Wow. But it's just like a daily reminder. I do not want to be that guy who didn't reach out or be there for their kids. I don't know what his situation was and where he was coming from as well. But we also struggled as a family. My mom, you know how to raise all of us and be the dad and the mom. I mean, man, I'm proud of you for who you, knowing your story now, how you grew up, what you've accomplished, how you've just taken the reins for your family. And I see it every day in your eyes, like you working hard for your family and being there. And also I see in your girl's eyes, man, how they look at you and how they just adore you. And I I love, love to hear stories like you, you know, Mm -hmm. who you had everything against you. Yeah. And you didn't let it stop you. And some reason in my mind, when people doubted me, that made me want to show them wrong. Some people were like, you can't do that. For example, when I started doing my photography stuff, people were like, you can't make a living doing photography. And I was like, try me. And there was tons of negative people, people were who were in the photography business and saying that you couldn't make a living. You can. I've seen it. I know that this can happen. This is what I want to do. And I know that I can change people's lives just through my photography. And I did it. I mean, I had crappy jobs. I did waitress. I mean, I did bartending. I did uh, working for a catering company for years. I think my last job was working at a factory for like eight hours a day my whole summer. And I was like, this is the worst thing ever. And I was uh, the youngest one in the factory. So there was older people there. I'm like, hey, you don't belong here. You should be doing something else, going to school. You don't belong in this place. Like you're too young to to stop and be working here. All I did was work, work. And then on my break, on the weekends, all I wanted to do was sleep because then the next morning I had to be up at five in the morning to go to work. That was like a real time in my life where like I needed to decide what I wanted to do. I quit that job. I told my boss, hey, this is my last day. And he looked at me and he's like, I'm proud of you that you made this choice. And I told myself, the only job that I'm going to take, it's going to be doing what I love and doing photography. I'm not going to do any other side jobs. If I really want to grow and do what I want to do, I have to commit fully to doing photography, even if I'm not getting paid. But I think that motivated me to being like, tell me that I can't do it. I found that to my mom a lot. People were like, you can't raise four kids on your own. And she was like, let me show you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And shout out to your mom for showing you all that. That's why you have this mentality seeing her like you know she struggled and she'd never try to hide hey we're struggling we don't have food to to eat this week like she brought me along and said this is what we're doing this is what we need to do i'm not just gonna sit here and i think that's good to show your kids hey there's struggle this is how we go through struggle together as a family and see that growth from that instead of like you're fine don't worry about it but like showing like my daughters you know all the time i talk to them and being open about life and why I want to spend as much time with them and explaining to them how how short life actually is the reasons why we homeschool you and because then eventually you're going to be in high school I'm not going to be teaching you in high school and then you're going to eventually have your own kids and your family and then that part of us is kind of done I remember talking to them in the car and they were just like shocked 
and they were just started crying and they're like daddy i don't never want to lose you you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i was just telling the basic stuff of reality of life and like yeah. asking me how much things are and i was like breaking it down like this is how much rent is and this is the bills that you need to pay and this is why this is the jobs that i do and that portion of it goes to the rent and to pay for all our food kind of broke it down for them and Love they were that. just like oh my gosh they had like a sh reality check that connection through that like helps so much the world can be a horrible place unforgiving mm. but sitting back and feeling sorry for yourself is not going to make anything better so watching your mom have all cards stacked against her mm -hmm. and she made it happen oh and yeah i'm lucky enough to have met her a few times and i haven't seen her in a while she needs to come over <laughs> and cook those bomb tostadas tostadas yeah and i need to give her a big hug because that is i mean wow admirable what she's done yeah and still until this day she's still like working she's like i'm not gonna stop She's a person who just keeps going and keeps going and doesn't give Unreal. up. So whenever I feel tired, I'm like, I'm exhausted. I have think in my head, my mom had three or four jobs. She had no time to be tired. As soon as she got off one, she literally had enough time to drive to the next job and then work another eight hours wow. just to, to make a living. Anytime you're feeling tired, I think my mom did it and I can do it. I should just suck it up and continue working, you know? I am very motivated now, <laughs> and I'm not going to feel sorry for myself anymore. <laughs> Your mom has motivated me for sure, that story. And also, what you were saying about your daughters, kind of showing them the real things in life, mm -hmm. I think is important. Our natural thing to do, and I'm sure with you, is to protect them and shelter them which I think will happen naturally mm -hmm. with us, protecting and sheltering them, but also showing them that the world doesn't owe you anything. Oh, no. And it's unforgiving, and you need to take the reins and make it happen. I want to be able to have them prepared when they're in the real world and not just be trying to figure how the world works at an age they're 18 or 21 and realizing, oh, my parents covered all this for me and I didn't learn anything when they should have learned that from the beginning. I want them to be strong girls who can grow up on their own. They've learned more stuff that I didn't learn at their age. I didn't learn how to read it at their age. I was not able to read because my mom wasn't there to teach me how to read. And in school, you know, you're only giving a short amount of time to learn certain things. Yeah. And and then I found out I was dyslexic also. So that made another thing like difficult and Spanish was my first language, so learning Spanish, being dyslexic, and then learning English was like so many things against me, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is hard. I've taught my daughters how to like change a tire, just basic stuff like that. Like if they're ever stranded, they know what to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Very needed for sure. We like to end the show with a quote, and I have one from Ben Affleck. Nice. And and he said the cure to addiction is suffering. And I agree with that so much. And with what we're talking about, anything in life that you're dealing with, if you suffer, you need to dig yourself out of that hole. Hmm. And you can either sit there in that hole 
or you can dig yourself out and make it happen and grab those reins and take control of your life. Sometimes you have to be in a real low position to say, I've had enough. I would also like, now that we're on, this is episode two, and people kind of know us in our life story now, I want to pull from our audience and kind of get their stories because I have a lot of messages with some pretty crazy stories. Hmm. So we should take other people's stories and kind of talk about that and how it relates to us yeah. or our suggestions, especially with, with new dads, new parents. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of questions and a lot of people don't have anywhere to go to. Sometimes they don't even have parents to go to. Mm -hmm. Like, who did you have to tell you how to become a good dad? Right. You know, your mom. Yeah. But not your dad. Right. My journey in parenting is different from yours, Mm -hmm. but we can learn so much from each other. Right. So I think pulling from everybody's situation is how you become the best parent. Mistakes, what they did good, everything. Mm-hmm. We can learn from each other. No one has like the direct answers. Right. And parenting is only hard for good parents. True. It's only hard for good parents. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let's debate it. <laughs> if it's not hard, if you don't go under that pressure, there's not any growth. You're not going to see that in your children. So yeah, putting in that work with your kids is where you're going to see all that pain and struggle at the end. I've seen parents who try to like structure and be strict to their kids at a later time of their life, like when they're older and it's really hard. You know, there, there's also that you only have 18 summers with them, Mm -hmm. but if you put the time and effort in now when they're young, you'll create more summers. I know people that have great relationships with their parents as parents, you know, and that's what I want for my kids. I, hope to go on dates with my daughter even when she's married and has kids i hope we can have those lunch dates and have that bond you Mm -hmm. know and i think if we put the effort in now it will be there later there's probably going to be that you know teenage time right but they'll come back around they'll come back if you're worth coming back around for right and with the parenting is only hard for good parents it doesn't mean it's hard as in you're miserable it just means it's hard because you're putting in so much effort. Everything mm-hmm. that you put that much effort into is hard. So, yeah. Hopefully. Second episode down. <laughs> it's uh this has been good, man. I'm I'm known you for 3 years and I feel like I know you even more in just these two episodes. <laughs> like what? I've been drunk the whole time. That's why. <laughs> I mean, I told you the story, but you were drunk for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's nice to now tell you the story and you being sober. It's great. Well, I'll, I'm going to be a better friend to you from now on, from now on, this moment on. Thank you guys uh, for listening. Thank you for all the support. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Keep showing up. Thank you for listening to the Tired Dad Podcast. To show my appreciation, all listeners receive 15% off at tireddad.com by entering code tireddadpod at checkout. That's tireddadpod. Keep showing up.